Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. for joining us tonight on Facebook Live for our Wednesday night Bible study. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Mike Brunzo and my wife and I pastor Faith Fellowship Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Before we get started tonight, I want to give a shout out to uh, a couple of good pastor friends of ours, Pastors Flint and Brenda Council. They live in Madison, Wisconsin with their three children, Josiah, Nolan, and Hannah, and they pastor a growing church in Freeport, Illinois. Pastor Flynn has been doing Facebook Live uh, on Sunday mornings for the last several weeks at about 10.30 a.m. I think it is Central Time, which would be about 11.30 our time here in Louisville. And I heard him say last Sunday he was going to start a Wednesday night Bible study at 6.30 p.m. their time, 7.30 p.m. our time. And my wife and I listened to his recorded message every Sunday and He's been a real blessing to both of us. He's an anointed preacher of the gospel, and I, I highly recommend that you give him a listen when you get a chance. I know you'll be blessed by his ministry. Go to their Facebook page, True Vine Worship Center, and uh, while you're there, hit the like button. I'm sure they'd appreciate it, but it would also give you a chance to check on the times and make sure I'm correct. I'm pretty sure it's 10.30 Sunday morning and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday nights. He'll be starting here in about 30 minutes, but you can't watch him tonight because you'll be watching me. But you can uh, look at his recorded message afterwards. I'm more of a teacher where he's more of a preacher. And uh, how many knows we need both preaching and teaching? Someone once said that too much preaching and you'll blow up, too much teaching and you'll dry up, but just enough of both and you'll grow up. And so we don't want you to blow up or dry up. We want you to grow up. So... All right, that being said, let's get to tonight's teaching. I want to talk to you about uh, making it through a storm. I really feel like it's going to benefit somebody that's listening tonight because everybody goes through storms in their lives. Jesus did a lot of teaching using parables, and he did a parable about a storm, and he spoke uh, in parables because he's explaining spiritual truths uh, by comparing them with natural things that we can understand, like uh, fishing and fishermen and farming and farmers. And uh, he even used the weather to convey spiritual truths. And so uh, we need to see the spiritual aspect of storms as well as the physical aspect of them. So let's start by reading in Matthew, the seventh chapter and the 24th verse. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, this is Jesus talking, and he's saying, whoever hears these sayings of mine or listens to the word of God or reads his Bible and then does what he hears or does what he reads, he says, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, not a rock, but the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine or hears the word of God and uh, maybe reads his Bible occasionally but doesn't do the words or do what he hears, 
he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So Jesus is contrasting the difference between someone who hears the word and obeys it and someone who hears the word and doesn't obey it. And one of the things that he made clear here is that both people heard the word and the difference uh, or the results that they had was different because one did the word and the other didn't. The wise man was a doer of the word. The foolish man didn't do the word. And so Jesus is talking about a physical storm and a physical house, but it has spiritual implications because what he's doing is conveying a spiritual truth about the storms of life that we will go through at one time or another. And the foundation he's telling us uh, to build upon is doing the word of God and on the revelation that he is the Christ. He's the rock. And uh, he's the foundation that the wise man built his life on. And when Jesus and his disciples were on a little uh, retreat in Caesarea Philippi, he asked them a pretty pointed question. He said, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? In other words, what are people saying about me? Uh, who do they say that I am? And so they answered, and some people are saying that you're John the Baptist. Some are saying you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus gets real personal with them and he asks them, but who do you say that I am? And that's the most important question that you will ever be asked because your answer will determine where you will spend eternity. And he's saying, who do you say I am? And this is a question that everyone who ever lived, ever will live, is going to have to answer at one time or another in their life. So let's see what Peter said. What was his answer? And Simon answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And usually Peter was outspoken. And when he did open his mouth, it was only to put his foot in it. But this time he was right. And even though uh, Jesus was impressed with his answer, Jesus knew where that answer came from. And he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Barjona simply means Simon, son of Jonah because you didn't learn this from a human being. My father, which is in heaven, has revealed this to you. In other words, Peter got a revelation from God. He didn't learn this from any man. He didn't learn it from any preacher, any teacher, any Pharisee, any teacher of the law. He learned this from God himself. God gave him a personal revelation. And so as a result, Jesus says, I'm gonna change your name to Peter which is Cephas, which means a stone. And upon this rock, and that word rock is, is translated from a word that means massive, immovable stone. So Peter's a little lively stone, but the rock he's talking about is a massive, immovable stone, like the rock of Gibraltar or something. And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Isn't it nice to know that God is building a church? We're part of a church that even the gates of hell can't prevail against. But what rock is Jesus talking about? Well, the rock he's talking about is the revelation that Peter received from God that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one 
of God. That was the revelation Peter received from God. And that is the rock. The rock of that revelation is what Jesus is going to build his church on. And that's the church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Churches come and go. I mean, uh, they have their time in, in the light. Some of them are, are what they call flash in the pans. They grow real big, real fast, and then they, they simply disappear. Well, they weren't building his church. They were building their church, man's church. And there's a big difference because he didn't say that church, the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against. He said the church that he builds on the rock of revelation that he is the Christ. He's the center of that church. A Christ-centered church will stand through any storm that comes its way. It is going to be there, and the gates of hell themselves will not prevail against that church. But anyway, this is the, the foundation that the wise builder built his house upon. The rock of revelation that Jesus is the Christ, and he built his house on the foundation of that revelation and on the word of God. But one thing that's clear is that storms don't discriminate. I mean, they're going to hit us all at one time or another. And we're living in a crazy world, so crazy things are going to happen to us every now and then. But on the bright side, we, we've already survived every storm that came our way. If we didn't, we wouldn't be here tonight. You wouldn't be here listening to me. I wouldn't be here preaching to you. You know, there's financial storms blowing out there, stormy relationships, the storms of losing a loved one, uh, physical and emotional storms. But no matter what storm is blowing in your life, the thing that will calm the storms in your life always remains constant. And that is faith in a loving God that cares for us enough to be in the storm with us. He will never, he will never leave us, never forsake us, and he will get us through every storm. You know, one of the things I've learned as a Christian is that making it through the storms of life is because faith in a God that said he'd never leave us or forsake us. It's faith in a God that said he'll be in the storms with us. Even when we walk through the valleys of the shadows of death or when we're walking through dark times like we do in a storm, he is going to be there with us. He guaranteed that. And that gives me comfort. That gives me strength. That makes me feel real good. You know, when I was a kid and uh, the, uh, the bullies would come around at school and that, uh, I used to get a little bit intimidated from time to time. But I'm going to tell you what, when I was walking through the hall with my big brother, I was never intimidated. I never had any doubts. Nobody bothered me because I knew I had my big brother with me and he'd help me out. He'd defend me. Thanks, Brother Jim and Streamwood, Illinois. I don't forget those things, but he would defend me and he would stick up for me. He would fight for me and he'd get me through that thing. And I always felt safe with him. I always felt strong with him, never felt intimidated. And that's kind of how it is when you're going through a storm and you know that Jesus is in the storm with you. You won't get intimidated. You'll feel strength come on you. You'll have energy. You'll, you'll be optimistic. You'll know that you're going to make it through that storm no matter what because your big brother is with you. And he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Hallelujah. But even the storm we're going through right now with this COVID-19, you know, as long as we keep our faith in a faithful God who said he'd never leave us or forsake us, we know he's going to get us through it. And I also know there's other storms blowing out there, and some of them may even be greater than this COVID-19 storm. But, you know, most people would never admit that they're having a rough time 
uh, whether it be financially, physically, emotionally, uh, relationally. Uh, a lot of people won't admit that they're having a rough time. They won't seek help because they think that it makes them appear to be weak or makes them appear to be uh, lacking in faith. And that's not the case. They think they're going through a storm and, and because they're going through the storm, they think it's because they didn't have enough faith to stay out of the storm uh, or enough strength to get through it. But, you know, according to the passage of scripture we just read, the storms hit the faith, faithful and the unfaithful alike. The storms hit the wise builders and the foolish builders. Uh, I can show you example after example of mighty men and women of God uh, right there in your Bible that went through all kinds of storms. And one example that comes to mind in the Old Testament is a man by the name of Elijah. Now, no one can ever deny that Elijah was a mighty man of God. I mean, at his words, the heavens were shut up for three and a half years and rain didn't fall. And of course, when rain doesn't fall, there's no crops, there's no food, there's a famine in the land. Then at his word again, after Israel repented, the heavens were reopened and the rains fell and refreshed the land, ended the drought, ended the famine. And he prayed over a widow's meal barrel and her oil crews during a famine, and they produced oil and flour through the entire famine that was in the land. Every time she went to that cruise, oil poured out. Every time she went to that meal barrel, there was flour in it. And then one time her son falls ill and she dies, and so Elijah raises him from the dead. He divided the Jordan River like Moses did the Red Sea. He called down fire from heaven, not once, but twice. And those are just a few of the miracles he performed. At the end of his ministry, he was carried into heaven in a whirlwind, followed by a chariot of fire. You talk about something spectacular. He went into heaven alive, never tasted death, just one miracle after another. And then his predecessor, Elisha, performed twice as many miracles as Elijah did. But uh, as many things as Elijah did for God and the miracles he performed with God, uh, you cannot deny that he was a mighty man of faith and a mighty man of God. And yet James tells us that Elijah was a man subject to the same feelings, passions, and problems that we have. The same problems. This mighty man of God experienced the same problems that we had. Went through storms just like we did. And yet the Bible says that Elijah plopped himself down under a juniper tree and asked God to kill him. This great mighty man of God was suicidal. And this is the same man who just a few hours earlier up on Mount Carmel called down fire from heaven, defeated 450 prophets of Baal, uh, 400 prophets of Ashtaroth with his sword, and then he outran the king's chariots, who had the finest horses, the finest chariots. He outran the king's chariots back to Jezreel, which was about 50 miles away. All those things, this mighty man of God, and what caused him to get to the place where he lost his faith and his confidence and wound up sitting under a juniper tree wanting, to wanting God to take his life? What could cause something like that with a mighty man of God? What could cause that with you? Mainly two things. Number one, fear. And number two, plain weariness. He was just wore out. He was tired. One battle right after another, one storm right after another, one circumstance, one challenge, one trial after another, and, and it finally got to him, and he got weary. 
But God says, if we don't get weary and well-doing, we shall be rewarded. We shall receive a reward. Hallelujah. So it's, it's our job to stay out of fear and keep from getting weary. And, you know, uh, Jezebel, Queen Jezebel, uh, she threatened to have him slain by the sword, just like he did her prophets, her false prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth. And this mighty man of God, because of the threat of that one woman, ran in fear, ran for his life, got so discouraged and depressed, he wanted to take his own life. And you know, when your life is threatened by an incurable disease, it's easy for you to get into fear and lose faith. And when you're uh, finances and your job is being threatened, like it is now with a lot of people, uh, when you're in a relationship that's being threatened, when you're, we've well, been fighting one battle after another and you're just simply tired and wore out, you can get to the place where you'll just want to find that juniper tree and sit under it yourself. But we can't allow that to happen. We can't allow fear to come in our lives at a time like this. We can't allow ourselves to grow weary in this battle. And, you know, when you're battle weary and your body is tired, it's easy to get in fear. It's easy to get discouraged. It's even easy to get depressed. But that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. If it happened to this mighty man of God, it can certainly happen to you or I. And, and, and uh, there are ups and downs in life. And yes, even in the Christian life. And that's why it's good to have a family of faith, to be a member of a church where you can call on somebody and they can pray with you and they can reassure you and they can remind you how great your God is and, and they can remind you about the circumstances that God has brought them through and the circumstances he's brought you through and they can encourage you and let you know if God did it once, he'll do it again. Hallelujah. And, and, and you know, friends and loved ones will fail you and they'll let you down. Uh, especially when you need them the most, it seems like. And I know it's a terrible feeling when people you count on fail you and let you down. But I also know that there are going to be times when you have to ignore your feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. And, and so you have to ignore your feelings and put your faith in a faithful God who said he'll never leave you, never forsake you. A God that will sustain you and get you through the storms of life. And like I said, if you look hard enough, you'll see God at work in the storms. And, and this COVID-19 storm that we're going through right now is probably one of the worst storms most of us has ever had to go through, especially if you have a friend or a loved one that uh, this COVID-19 has affected personally. Uh, it, it's a terrible thing. But being a Christian doesn't mean you won't have storms in life, but it does mean that we can have peace in the midst of that storm. And peace is what should be ruling our heart. Knowing what we know, having faith in a faithful God, knowing that he loves us, knowing that he's there with us, we should be able to have peace as we're going through this storm. You know, these storms are, are rough sometimes, but they shouldn't be destroying us emotionally, physically, spiritually. We should have peace in our heart when we go through these storms because of who's going through the storm with us. Uh, the only difference between our storm and someone who doesn't allow Jesus or doesn't know Jesus or doesn't allow Jesus into their heart is our attitude and the way that we handle the storm. I mean, uh, you can go through the storm complaining and whining and crying and mully grubbing uh, and, and, and get through the storm the best way you know how. Or you can go through the storm with joy, with peace in your heart, with strength, knowing that you're not going alone and, and come out on the other side shouting the victory and, and knowing that you've overcome that storm. Uh, you know, that's what makes the difference 
uh, because the storms are the same for both. It was the same storms that hit the foolish man and the wise man. The only thing that was different was the results. And you know, our attitudes um, determine our response to the storms. And someone once said that your attitude will determine your altitude. How high you're going to go in life depends on your attitude. And uh, let me show you what I mean. I've used this example before, but it bears repeating. Besides that, I like it, and this is my message, so I get to tell whatever I want. But anyway, if you met me on the street and I had a cast on my thumb, uh, what would you see? What's the first thing you'd see? You'd probably see the cast. And, and, and the first thing you'd notice is the thumb, and you'd probably ask me, what happened to your thumb? And I'd tell you, and, and you know, that's really the normal response. Uh, but... You won't, you know, you'd be thinking, well, you won't be able to tie your shoe. You won't be able to zip your jacket. You won't be able to count your money. I mean, that's a bummer, man. And your whole focus would be on that broken thumb. And it's normal, but the first thing that you noticed about me was the thumb. But let me ask you a question. Why wouldn't you notice the four fingers that didn't have a cast and were still working good? I mean, it's, it's because our nature, you know, we look at the what's wrong. We look at the negative things. You know, the injured thumb is really just a small thing in comparison to the four fingers that are still working fine. So what's my point? Well, in life, we often get distracted by the things that are wrong. We often get distracted by negative things. And, and when we're distracted by what's wrong and we focus on that thing that's wrong, that broken thumb, it's hard for us to see the good things that's going on around it. You know, it's not the end of the world uh, because even though I got a broken thumb, I'm going to manage because I still got four fingers that are working. And as a matter of fact, uh, maybe them four fingers will compensate for that broken thumb in, in a way. And, and, you know, the disappointments or are, are, are painful experience in life, they're broken thumbs. It seems like we overlook the blessings like the four fingers that are still working and yet the good things are far more important than the broken thumb or the problems that seem to be grabbing our attention. You know, we see the storm, but we fail to see the God that's with us in the storm. We focus on the storm rather than God. And we may even pray and, and tell God how big our storm is when maybe we should be speaking to the storm and telling our storm how big our God is. And, you know, uh, Peter uh, got out of the boat one time, and he walked on the water for a short time, and then he sank. You remember why he sank? He took his eyes off of Jesus. He took his eyes off the rock. He, he took his eyes off of the, the one that was keeping him on top of the water, and he put him on the storm. He took his eyes off the four fingers that were working, and he focused on the thumb, and that's what caused him to sink. But I don't care how big the storm is. We need to realize that our ship has an anchor that will hold. And, and someone once said, to realize the value of an anchor, we have to feel the force of the storm. You know, when you're going through life and all, everything is smooth, you're floating down the, 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 the river of life or the ocean of life or whatever, you don't think too much about the anchor, but let a storm hit and your life may depend on how well that anchor holds. And you know what? We have an anchor that we will hope that will hold. We know will hold. Hebrews 6:19 tells us this hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast and which enters the presence behind the veil. We have an anchor for every storm and Jesus is the anchor for our soul. 
And our soul consists of the mind, the will, and the emotions. And, and we have an anchor. Our hope is in Jesus, and we have an anchor for our soul. Our, our soul. And the storm could be raging, but if you're anchored in Jesus, the rock, the anchor for your soul, then you'll have peace of mind and steadfast emotions because that's what the soul consists of. And the storm is not going to blow you all over the place. You know, some storms we flow with and ride them out. And then there's some like the one we're going through right now with the COVID-19 thing where we just have to drop anchor and persevere through it. And that's what we've been doing. And I'm telling you, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train. And I'm getting excited because uh, we are getting ready to reopen our church. I'm believing in the next couple of weeks or so, uh, we're going to get to go ahead to start meeting again. Of course, we're going to still follow all the guidelines that are laid out. If they say six feet apart, we're going to arrange our chairs so that people can be six feet apart. And, and if they say we, we have to wear a mask or we have to hand out antibacterial wipes at the door, we're going to do everything that we're supposed to do. Our church will be sanitized. Uh, we're going to have new cleaning methods. We're going to do everything that we have to do in order to open our church back up and start fellowshipping like we used to, live and in person, praise God. But you know, in our opening scripture, Jesus was telling the disciples that everyone has storms. One house was built by a man that was obedient to the word. He was faithful. He worshiped the Lord. He paid his tithes. He loved God. He loved his neighbor. He'd done all the right things. He built his house on the right foundation, the rock. And, and, but he was still in the storm. And then Jesus tells us about the other man, who he called foolish, that does his own thing. He hears the word, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't love the Lord like he should. He can't stand his neighbor, and he only prays when he's in the jam. And Jesus said when the storm hits this guy's house, he's in big trouble. He said he fell, and the ruin of that house was great. It wasn't just ruined. It was, the ruin was great. And Proverbs 10.25 tells us this. When the storm is swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. You know, sometimes the Lord will calm the storm, and sometimes he'll let the storm rage, and he'll calm you. But either way, he's going to get us through it. Uh, Jesus summed up the advantage of doing the word. He said, when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently, the King James says, that's pretty, pretty hard. Beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, uh, for it was founded upon a rock. And not only did it stand through the storm, but it wasn't even shaken. Now, I live in a house that's, in, it's a brick house. And yet we've been in storms where we could feel, we could just hear the bricks. It sounds like the bricks are moving and it feels like the roof is getting ready to lift off of this house. In other words, even though it's a well-built house, it's on a concrete foundation, it's a brick house, it can still be shaken. But this man's house couldn't even be shaken. And everybody gets into situations where they get discouraged. We talked about Elijah and we talked uh, about the things that he went through and how he got discouraged and how he was so discouraged he wanted to end his life. But that's in the Old Testament. Let's look at a New Testament example, the Apostle Paul. He also had times of discouragement as well. And uh, in 2 Corinthians 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, 
It says, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. He had some troublous times, trouble, troubling times in Asia. He said that we were pressed out of measure. He said we were pressed so hard you couldn't even measure it. He said above strength. It was more than we could stand uh, in our strength. Insomuch that we despaired even of life. That sounds just like Elijah. Paul was so discouraged with the troubles in his ministry that he was worn out and even thought about giving up on his life. I thought Paul was a mighty man of faith. He is. And, and listen to what he says in verse 9. But we had the sentence of death in our lives that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. In other words, even if this thing kills us, who cares? God will raise us from the dead. That's an attitude right there that you need to have. And then verse 10, he said, Who delivered us from so great a death? And does deliver in whom we trust, yet he will yet deliver us. In other words, he turned to God. He knew that no matter what happened, God was going to deliver him. Jesus was going to get him out of that storm. Paul said it seemed like a death sentence, and there was no hope. Then he said, but in God. You know, when the problems come, and they will, and when you can't see a way out in yourself, the answer is, but in God. And, and you know, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, it's a short one, but I love it. I, I use it quite often, and that is, it come to pass. Hallelujah. This COVID-19 pandemic or any other storm that you might be in or may, may come in the future, it come to pass. The only reason it came is so it could pass. And whatever we may have to go through did not come to stay, it come to pass. You know, there's a blessing in storms. I know it doesn't seem like it when you're going through it, uh, but there are life lessons to learn. So instead of getting depressed and complaining about the storms, see what God wants us to learn and realize that God will see us through because he's done it before. You know, as bad as this COVID-19 is, I've seen a lot of good things coming from it. And some of the things, the good things I'm talking about are changes in me first and then changes in the way that we're going to do things in the future. And I believe God is putting certain things and certain people and certain ideologies in their proper place. And it's going to be our job as a church, as born again believers, to keep those things in that proper place. I think when we start church again, it's going to be, it's not going to be uh, church as it was in the past. It's not going to be mediocre church anymore. It's going to be uh, a church on another level. Hallelujah. But 2 Corinthians 4, 8, Paul said, we're troubled on every side, front, back, both sides. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. See, he's shown the things that are negative, and then he's ending them in a positive. We might be cast down, but we're not destroyed. We can get up again. And, and you know, how can he say that? Because he understood that God has done it before, and he'll do it for him again. He said in Romans 8, 37, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And, and as we look at the examples we have in the Bible, I find it amazing the way Paul and Elijah and all the others, they didn't mope around and become victims of their circumstances. They didn't become a victim of the storm. They became victors of the storm. And James exhorted us in his letter. He says, 
Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. So let patience have her perfect work. In other words, let your patience work out. Just be patient, hold out. And, and he says, let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. When you let per patience work itself out, you're gonna end up perfect and entire lacking nothing. Everything you desire, you're going to have. And when the storms come, it's time to start praising God. Shout, jump. I mean, uh, knowing that when you're being tried or your faith is being tested, it will work. Your faith will work and, and it will give you joyful endurance. In other words, you'll not just endure it, but you'll endure it joyfully. Uh, joyful endurance will make you mature. That's what perfect means. And not lacking anything. In James 1.12, he said, blessed is the man that endures temptation or his storm, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Your joyful faithfulness will work a change in you to change your desires. And that is what the complete work is. And you know what? I, 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 of all the things coming out of this storm, I know it's changing things in me. It's changing things in my wife. It's changing things in all the people that I know, members of our church. And, and it, it's, it's beginning to uh, get to the place where things that we used to desire, we don't desire anymore. And things that we didn't think we desire, we're beginning to desire. You know, more time in prayer, more time in the word, uh, more time uh, in, in God's presence. There's a lot of things that we've, we've been learning to uh, get into more than we ever had before. And, you know, it seems like when the, the bigger the storm, the closer we get to God. I mean, when we're in the jam and our back's up against the, the wall, most people, the first thing they'll do is turn to God. Well, we've been, we've been in God's face the whole time through this COVID-19, and, and there's nothing bad that can come out of that. Only good can come out of that, praise the Lord. But, you know, as you struggle with things in your life and a storm comes, whether it's your job or it's your finances or your health or your marriage or trouble with the car, trouble with the family, uh, it is joyful endurance that's going to change you. It's going to make you complete, ready to receive a crown of life. In 1 Peter 1, 7, and I'm getting ready to close. He said that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He said these trials we're going through is more precious than, than gold. Hallelujah. Peter said that what you believe will be made pure by the trials and the storms of life, and it will bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. So your storms or trials are actually opportunities to prove what you believe. And when you base your life on the word and your foundation is on the rock that he is the Christ, then your life will not be shaken. The storms will not shake your house. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, that when we're in a storm, you're right there in the storm with us. Lord, it gives us confidence. It gives us strength. It gives us energy. It gives us optimism. We know that no matter how big the storm is or how long it lasts, as long as you're there with us and you're guiding us through the storm, that we're going to make it. Hallelujah. And when the storm gets too bad, 
uh, and, and we don't feel like we can push any further than we have an anchor. We can drop an anchor. It's the anchor for our soul. And, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our anchor. Hallelujah. And he'll hold us fast and he'll keep us steadfast through the storm. So we thank you that, that when we have storms, Lord, there's things in there that we need to learn. So we thank you that instead of looking at the broken thumb, we're going to start looking for the four fingers that are working, Lord. And we're going to look for the good that's in everything, Lord, because I don't care what it is. Even when it's bad, you'll turn it around and, and cause it to be something good. So we thank you and we praise you for your faithfulness. We love you and appreciate you so much. I ask you to touch our brothers and sisters out there in the Facebook viewing audience tonight, Lord. God, if they have a need, I pray that you'll meet it. You said you'll, you'll, you'll make, meet all our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Meet every need that's out there tonight, Lord. God, we know that you're the healer, and it's by the stripes on your back that we received our healing, Lord. And so we ask you to touch each and every one that needs a touch in their physical body, maybe even in their minds, Lord, in their in their. Uh, mental well-being, uh, their emotions, Lord. We just ask you to touch and heal them right now in Jesus' name. Make a way even for those that don't seem like there's a way for them, Lord. Make a way for them. We thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget, uh, take a look at uh, True Vine Worship Center. I know that he'll be a blessing to you if you just give him, give him a listen to He's got a revelator word for us. So uh, until next time, Sunday morning, 1030. Uh, God bless you. We love you. Be safe in Jesus name. Amen. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.